0: Three Staten Islanders have refused to let their disabilities define them, living out their artistic and athletic dreams while inspiring borough residents every step of the way. I never thought
1: that I'd be able to play soccer again. It really can't get better than this.
0: When I'm on stage, I talk about my life and my struggles. My goal is I love to travel the world and perform on large stages. I want to break into the business of um, TV and movies. I want to like write my own television show about my life. It, it affects you basically in every single way possible. In a weird way, this disease actually helped me for like just like looking at life I would say.
2: I think one common theme between Ahmed, Cole, and Ethan is that they they tell me like they're so blessed and grateful. It doesn't matter that Ahmed can't see, doesn't have a right arm, doesn't matter that Ethan and Cole are blind and can barely hear. They are so grateful for what they have and they don't want to focus on what they lack. As they say, they want to focus on what comes after that and the things that they do have.
0: Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance community news reporter Priya Shahi to discuss three borough residents who have overcome overwhelming adversity in pursuit of their lives' dreams. Thank you for joining me today, Priya. I'm so glad we were finally able to get you on the podcast. I know you're still relatively new to the company, so before we kind of get into some of the great reporting you've done, I was hoping you could just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got started here.
2: Hi, Eric. Thank you for having me here, finally. I'm really (laughs) excited to be here. I recently joined um, the company in April, Mm -hmm. and I believe I'm the youngest one here, which I think. I think that that's
0: true. That might be true. And that I've held that honor before,
2: so <laughs> <laughs> I actually love being the youngest because I feel like everyone here is so experienced and they're so hardworking and they have a lot of resources that I can tap into. So it's been great being here with older people. Um, I'm not calling people old. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my passion for journalism actually started very young. I came here when I was here as in the United States when I was five years old and I came from Nepal. So moving to Queens, New York, where everyone is different than you and so diverse, it made me realize that I was very curious about other people's culture because I come from a very traditional background, traditional background that's different. It made me realize like, I wanna know everyone else's stories and then I wanna tell it to other people. So there's just a understanding of like, oh, people are different, but it's okay because the more you learn about them, the more you realize it's interesting to be different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that genuine curiosity is something that like a lot of us journalists seem to yeah. have and that's kind of what drives us wanting to learn more about people, learn more about what's going on in the world and then be able to share it with other people exactly. uh, in a way that they can understand and that they can relate to. And I'm curious, uh, being that you are originally from Nepal and then moved to Queens, what's it like being on Staten Island now? Because this is definitely, I'm sure, a bit of a change of pace from what you're accustomed, right? I
2: think Staten Island is diverse, but when you come from Queens it's less. <laughs> and i um, usually you- to being around a lot of immigrants because I grew up with so many South Asians, so many East Asians that like they're also first-generation immigrants like I am so being on Staten Island I see a lot of families that have been here for generations so they are definitely more Americanized and they they just have a lot of family members here versus us where you know we're the first people of our family to be here so that's really different and it's like I like um, seeing the dichotomy and realizing like what that means to like build a life here for generations and then Just build a community that's so close-knit on Staten Island.
0: Yeah, we really do, depending on where you are, but really throughout the borough, have so many different unique communities. You know, I think a lot of people sometimes assume when you say Staten Island, you're like, oh it's all the Italians from the Jersey Shore and you've got all the Irish people who, you know, are in the FDNY and all that kind of stuff, which that that really isn't the case. I mean, it is in certain situations, but it is a lot more diverse and a lot more like the rest of New York City than we might get credit for sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So one other thing I wanted. to to touch on real quick before we get started is I know that you are uh, have been selected as part of this Advanced Local Syracuse University Fellowship Program, right? Yes. And so can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that and what that program is and, and how it's been going so far?
2: I think I'm just really excited to go back to school and get my master's in communications. And it's um, focusing on journalism innovation. And really, I'm just excited to learn again, get my brain working, being challenged, because I think it's important, especially when you're young, to continue to exercise your brain. So, the program is really going to focus on how you can, as a journalist, stay on top of how technology is changing. So, you can tell stories, but in different ways and different media platforms. And I think that's something as a journalist, as much as you know you, you want to stick to writing and stick to photography and do your old style videos. People are changing. There's so many new apps coming out daily. People's attention spans are different. So it's it's important to stay on top of how to keep people's attention but also stay true to your journalistic integrity. So I think that's what I'm the most excited about. And it's an eighteen month program. So The way it works is I I do this program for eighteen months and then I stay with the company for one more year. Mm -hmm. Obviously like everything I learn I'm gonna try and put into
0: practice here. Put into
2: practice here and try to do the best I can. And then from then on we'll see where that goes.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And so I, I think you really hit the nail on the head there And that such an important part of it for, for new journalists and all journalists really right now is adapting to the technology and knowing how to kind of share your stories across different mediums. Like you said, I know that that's been a big point of emphasis here. When I got hired about um, five, six years ago at this point, one of the big things for the company was that not only could I write stories, but that I could also do photos, that I could yeah. do videos, that I could do social media, that we can do podcasts now as we've been doing. Yeah. So it, it it really is kind of a gone are the days of just writing for the paper. Um, now, we, you know, you write for a digital media company or you work for a digital media company. You're a content creator. You're not really just a, a reporter in the way that you once were. But let, let's move on to the reason that I had you on today, and that's to talk about some of these really cool, inspiring features that you've been working on these past few months, I would say. So, the first one I wanted to discuss is about Ahmed Sharif, a 25 year old borough resident who's now realizing his dreams of being able to play soccer after losing his vision and his right arm in a bombing when he was just seven years old so uh, I'm curious first kind of how you found out about this story and and what made you think it was important for us to pursue
2: first of all thank you for finding it cool and inspiring yeah Um, oh absolutely yeah um so the way I heard about Ahmed is actually through the communications manager for the U.S. Association of Blind Athletes his name is Bill Kellick and he was like, oh, I have a player. He's from Staten Island. And if you want to put a spotlight on him, here's his information. They have a soccer camp for blind athletes every year. He's been coming to camp. He's very like passionate about what we're doing here. And if you want to tell a story, let me know. And immediately my manager, Cassie, she emailed me and said, would you want to cover this? Because I think she just knew that because I went to Hungerford School and I uh, was covering proms and graduations for this school that serves kids and students with disabilities she was like oh here i think you would love to do this and i took it up right away and um i learned so much i feel like with almond's story there was just at the surface i was like oh this is a guy who comes to camp and loves soccer and he's blind and then we kept peeling back layers and layers and kept going back to get like more footage of him. And it made me realize like there's so much to uncover through even like a tiny little pitch that you get.
0: Yeah, and and can you start to kind of peel back some of those layers for us? Can we get a little deeper into the story and just tell us kind of like what happened and uh, when he was a child and how those kind of experiences led him to Staten Island through the work of one of the nonprofit organizations, right?
2: Yeah, it was through the work of Global Medical Relief Fund, Mm -hmm. basically. This is what Ahmed told us, that he grew up in Baghdad, Iraq. In 2003, during the U.S. invasion of Iraq, he... Like, around this time, he was just playing street soccer. He Mm -hmm. loved playing soccer. He would watch soccer on TV, and he always dreamed that he wanted to professionally play. And unfortunately, like, one day when he was walking home from school, he got caught in a crossfire from one of the bombings that was happening in Baghdad. I was
1: walking home from school. I end up in the crossfire and there was a bomb right next to my right foot exploded and that made me lose my right arm and my sight. I basically see nothing, like no light or any shadows or anything. I lost the hope and the dream to play soccer again. Blind soccer, I heard about it through the Blind Association of Blind Athletes. I reached out to the director. He uh, introduced me to um, a couple of coaches uh, here in New York and around the country. I never thought that I'll be able to play soccer again. He, he really can't get better than this. And to be part of you uh, know uh, the Paralympics and to represent New York and represent, represent this country, um, you know, and you know that's something I'm grateful for.
2: Just shared that, like after that, he lost that hope to play soccer again until he kind of heard about this association that kind of serves blind athletes. But the way he came here is through the... It's, a, it's actually really cool that the organization was founded on Staten Island mm-hmm. by a Staten Islander. Her name is Elisa Montanti. When she heard about Ahmed's story, she reached out to the families. She, she just was like, I'm going to bring him here. I'm going to make sure he gets surgery for his arm. She said that she took him to 20 doctors because wow. they just couldn't find out what what happened to his eyes. And um, after that, she's she's like, I just never gave up on him. I, I I needed to make sure, like, we knew what was going on. She she told me during that time, like, he was only seven. So then he would go back home with his family, mm-hmm. and then he came back again. And um and she had a piano in the house where she keeps all the children that she's helping mm-hmm. through this um, organization. And she heard him just on the keyboard one day, and he was playing. She said it was golden, like what wow. she heard, and she's also been in love with music her whole life and she was just like it spoke to me and since then she was like I couldn't let him go back but I also knew I had to ask his mom and she when she asked the mom the mom I guess obviously wanted him to have a better life yeah so she was like yeah you can you can keep him here educate him and you know have him live with you and now Ahmed lives on the basement independently mm-hmm. with Elisa they have coffee together every morning they're in a band together Aww. They've created this bond and they're in this community of people and now when other people come to this um, organization to get surgeries and stuff like other children that are victims of war or like Mm -hmm. natural disasters, he actually plays soccer with them or he teaches them how to play on the keyboard so it's like a full circle thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, it doesn't surprise me that he is kind of invested in, in building this thing up because and and helping out however he can, because he's had people helping him along the way. Right. And, yeah. and I'm sure that that's so important to him. We'll be right back. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multi-part podcast about Sean Sinesi, a victim of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Sarah Ganim, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation, where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to The Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. Let's move on to the second story I wanted to discuss today, which focuses on Ethan and Cole Corrigano, two Staten Island brothers who have refused to let their rare genetic condition stop them from pursuing their dreams as aspiring artists. You know, like the last story, I'm I'm just kind of curious how you first heard about this and what made you want to do a feature on these two?
2: Just like the last story, I heard about this through an email. I had um, someone from the Canvas Institute email me saying, Mm -hmm. these are two brothers they're gonna throw on a show at the canvas institute and they're gonna perform one is going to perform comedy the other is going to perform a musical performance and what's interesting about them is that they have wolfram syndrome and despite that they're still doing all these amazing things Mm -hmm. and i remember sending that to cassie and saying like wow like i definitely want to go cover this as well because i've I, i've been doing similar stories this kind
0: of work yeah. yeah and it's
2: like it keeps falling on my lap it must mean something you know yeah so i went to the show i was stunned at how great and it was their first show that they put together just they they put on just a, just a really good show like they brought on other local staten islanders that wanted to perform and then they closed the show out with cole singing and playing the piano and ethan doing his stand-up comedy and it was just it was such a good thing to be a part of and I made sure I took my camera with me that day and I was like actually yeah I want to I'm gonna reach out to them and and interview them at their house and Mm -hmm. go go dig a little deeper behind what this show is behind who they are and what their story is and that's exactly what I did and I thought like just like the other story there's so many layers to it.
0: Wolfram syndrome, for the listeners who don't know, is this rare genetic condition which causes them to be legally blind, hearing impaired, diabetic, and among a few other symptoms as well. But so in speaking with the brothers, I'm curious kind of what they told you about how that impacts their day-to-day lives and and even their artistic pursuits. I know that the one who was doing stand-up was even joking about it at points, right? So uh, I'm curious kind of what they had to say about their condition.
2: Some of it is psychological and other parts are just just very, you know, not being able to hear and not being able to see. I remember Ethan, just seeing him on stage and how alive he comes, and how he's just joking about this thing and how it affects his day-to-day life and how what it is like to date as a legally blind person, what it is like to, you know, commute, and just how hilarious all of it was.
0: When I am walking around in public, people that like don't know I can't see good, they just think I'm high. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities. The form and white always bother my eyes. So my eyes are always red. Mm-hmm. I'm always walking around like I have no idea where I'm going because I don't. <laughs> when I'm on stage, I talk about my life and my struggles. My goal is I love to travel the world and perform on large stages. I want to break into the business of um, TV and movies. I want to like write my own television show about my life.
2: And then when I actually sat down with him and talked to him about it, it was so different who he is on stage and how confident he is and how much he laughs about his life. And then when I'm sitting with him, he was a bit nervous, mm-hmm. he got more vulnerable and he was just like, sometimes I suffer from depression and and it's really hard for me to write jokes and I get bad headaches and all I want to do is sleep and I don't want to do anything and I'm not feeling motivated. And, being able to see that dichotomy made me realize who he is on stage is this this person he's created, and he's so mm-hmm. ambitious about being this comedian, and it's it's something that comes alive because he's he's so hardworking, and he he spends hours doing this despite sometimes not being able to, and the way it affects him is I guess like he he says like he it affects him mentally, spiritually, sometimes energetically. He doesn't have any you know will to do certain things. He just wants to sleep. But he says that he's so happy that he has this Wolfram syndrome because he's like, it gives me something to talk about on stage. It, it makes me just share it with other people and they're laughing and he's like, what else could I ask for? And then when it comes to Cole, Cole is much more introverted. Mm-hmm. And when he's on stage, he was playing his piano. And when Ethan went up, everybody's laughing because he's, he's cracking jokes, punchline after punchline it's such a loud lively room and then mm-hmm. when cole went up the room went silent and you could hear a pin drop and everyone's attention and eyes they're so present they're just listening to cole's melodies and what he's singing about the songs he writes and one of his songs is can anyone hear me he's like i'm not just this number this statistic with where one in a million people have wolfram syndrome i'm this person and brings it out in his songs how much he he wants to feel seen and And because of that, he's a psychology major right now, and he wants to help other people that have disabilities like him, and he's very grateful that everyone's helped him growing up with, you know, having to just grow up with it, and now he's like, I want to do that for other people, especially with people with disabilities, because they know I'll understand, because I go through it as well, So, so it affects them both, but I think it also has kind of made them go towards what they want and put, like, Real drive and passion.
0: You know, it affects you basically in every single way possible. In a weird way, this disease actually helped me for like just like looking at life, I would say. I try to still just make the best out of it and pretty much do all I could because I guess that's all I could really do is just work with what I do have instead of focusing on what I don't have. It seems like it's almost driven them even even further in their pursuits yeah. of their goals and, and to be able to do those types of things in spite of it. And, exactly. uh, you know, uh, it, it really is just very inspiring. So but before we go, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what it was like kind of conducting the, the interviews for this story and being able to hear from these residents because it's so inspiring sometimes to hear some of these stories, things that we might take for granted necessarily. So I'm curious just kind of what stood out to you during the interviews from from any of them.
2: I think one common theme between Ahmed, Cole, and Ethan is that they, they tell me like they're so blessed and grateful. It doesn't matter that Ahmed can't see, doesn't have a right arm, doesn't matter that Ethan and Cole are legally blind and can barely hear. They are so grateful for what they have and they don't want to focus on what they lack as they say they want to focus on what comes after that and the the things that they do have so i think seeing that just how grateful they are and puts things into perspectives and it's like why would anyone complain when there's so much to be grateful for and if i think one also really cool thing i learned while doing ahmed Mm -hmm. ahmed's story was really what it means to be a journalist i remember I told Cassie I want to make this into a video piece and then Jason one of our colleagues Mm -hmm. he was like let's you know put a GoPro camera around his head and while he's running and shooting a goal we'll get that on camera but we also can show like what he sees versus what other people see." and I think being able to really visually show that made me realize like it's actually about giving justice to the stories you're telling and literally putting everything you have into it whether it's doing a gopro camera or even a drone footage and it makes you realize that's what journalism is about it's like constantly trying to find creative ways to fully fully tell the story authentically so that it just gives Ahmed full justice to what he goes
0: through. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Priya. It was great having you on. If any of our listeners have not checked out these stories yet, I would highly recommend that they do. And so just keep up the great work, and I'm sure I'll have you on again soon.
2: Thank you so much. It was great being here.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit silive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.